Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. All right, hey, let's just jump into the word because I really wanna get to our topic. And really, I'm introducing it, so to speak, and I've entitled the message, All Dressed Up. And uh, I'm really excited what, uh, where we're walking this out, where God's leading us in that. Last week was a real significant moment, I believe, for the church. I, I, don't, I don't know how many of you were able to be here or whatever that looked like for you. But it really was a, not a culmination. It was a launching pad, I believe. As, as we came out of 21 days of prayer, I really felt the Lord just uh, put, a, put a burden in my heart to just dig deeper into the spiritual things of, of our walk. And uh, that's so important. That'll become more clear as we get into the message. Uh, so it, we're just, we're, we're experiencing and, and feeling this sense of his presence and power moving and um, asking things of us, equipping us to walk in what he has. We're not here just to live, breathe, and go to heaven one day, right? We're not here just to come to church on Sundays. In fact, what we do outside of church the other six days of the week is even perhaps more significant than your weekly gathering. And, and there's something that had been rolling around inside of me about talking about how to be the people of God, how to take a stand in this crazy world. And as we launched into the back to school blessing, as we were planning and preparing, God just kept stirring in my heart. It wasn't just a moment of praying a blessing uh, over our students and our teachers and faculty and staff of schools. It was a, it was a spiritual warfare moment. It was, a, it was we're, we're making a statement to the area, to ourselves and to the enemy that we're not gonna stay silent in a time that's just crazy and the enemy seems like he's trying to attack and steal our kids and break up our families and our marriages. And I felt we were fighting for a generation. I felt like we're fighting for families. We're fighting for our area. I felt that God was telling us to step into there in a greater capacity. And so today's series, or as we're launching today, the message today, really is the culmination of where I think God's been having me, us, on this journey for a few months. And so I'm, I'm praying and believing that you come every single week. I'm praying and believing if you can't be here, you'll be online with us to get the full extent of uh, what we're gonna bring out about spiritual warfare because honestly, that's what it's called, spiritual warfare. And now I know as a pastor that when you say things like spiritual warfare, that can freak some people out, right? It's like, what are you, are you gonna come in camo and or whatever, all that kind of stuff? I'm not, no, uh, you know, that spiritual warfare thing. And that's why I didn't call it spiritual warfare, <laughs> So I knew that some people might turn them off a little bit. But the reality is we live in a world that we're in a spiritual battle. And so we need to understand it. And whether you believe it or not, and I hope by the end of the series you'll see it, believe it, and learn how to uh, walk in victory through it. It's the truth, and and we're gonna bring that to light, I believe, uh, during this series. And so I want you to stay locked in the whole time. If some of this is new to you or this church is new to you, then then just keep coming back and trust God. We're a safe place, trust me. and, And I know God will speak to you in that time. And so we're gonna dive in. I called it All Dressed Up. We're gonna dive into Ephesians 6.10. We're not gonna turn there, right? But you can go ahead and get there. You can go ahead and turn there. I wanna, I wanna talk about a few other things as a setup for you because I'm really launching the series out today. So let me go back to next uh, last week, honestly. So I don't know if you know this, but I don't know how you would know this, but we actually laid hands and prayed a blessing over and anointed with oil 438 students. Come on, somebody, 438 students. Amen. Anointed. <laughs> anointed, blessed of God, protected by God, amen, empowered by God to walk in victory wherever they are. We prayed and laid hands on and blessed and extended our faith for over 90 teachers, admin, faculty, staff, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, custodians, vice principals, amen. 
That's significant, I believe. Not for the church, but not for this church, but significant for the church and our mission here. That we're making a statement, we're taking a stand, and we're not going to just sit back and stay silent while our world gets more and more crazy. We're going to take our place of authority, take our place in victory, amen, and we're going to be the people that God's called us to be, but we need to learn some things, and we need to understand some things, and so this is where we're going, and so I really am excited about this series, and I want you to come for all of it. Uh, we're going to dig into God's word. We believe in the power of the word. Uh, whatever you believe by what's happening around about you, you need to believe in the word. We're going to ex- ex- experience the word together through all these things. We believe that the word is active, alive, and relevant. Amen? And relevant. And it's not hard to see today that we're in difficult times and our sense of peace is being disrupted. Our, our sense of unity is being challenged. Our, our sense of our future even is, is being shaken somewhat. And we need to know uh, what we need to be doing as individuals and as a church, uh, or the church, and we need to make sure that we're not missing where this is coming from because we tend to look at things in the physical and the natural, right? That's why the circumstances round about us instead of what's really the underlying cause of it. It's in the unseen. It's the spiritual dynamic. But you and I, in our natural feelings and senses, we tend to equate everything to physical things. In other words, the person sitting next to you is not your problem, <laughs> Well, pastor, you don't. No, that's okay. No, don't raise your, don't raise your hand. Don't do anything like It's not. People are not your problem. The natural things are not your problem. There's an underlying root the Bible talks about we're bringing, that says that that is our problem. And the more we're distracted by things out here and attaching it to people or our boss or our neighbor or whatever, we're exhausting energy and effort and even prayer on the wrong thing. And we're not really dealing with the root and that's what we're about, and that's what this series is about. We're going to look at how do we deal with the root. What did God say? How did God set it up? How did he equip us to deal with the root of the problem? You understand that the, the division and disunity and things that are happening in our world today, in our own communities, it's not the color of skin. It's not the politics. It's the root behind it, underneath it. It's the enemy that wants to get us focused on physical, tangible things so we extend energy, effort, and we don't pay attention to him. Do you know the best thing that he, the thing that he wants to happen, the best thing for him is if we don't focus on him or if he can make us think that he's not real like, or like, oh, he's just some little cartoon character with a, a red tail with a point on the end of it and a pitchfork and running around like that kind of cartoonish or whatever. No, if he can get you focused on that, like maybe he's a myth or, or some kind of crazy story or a cartoonish kind of character or it's really the people around about you, you can't be effective in what God has for you. If he can't keep you from getting saved, He's going to keep you from not focusing on him, the real issue, and wasting time, energy, and effort on what we think the problem is, and it's typically we equate it to people. So then he gets us to strife with people, and now we don't eat lunch with people. We don't have relationship with people. We don't have time with people because we have all of a sudden taken what the enemy has tried to stir up underneath, and we've equated it to be the problem where he's the one that really is underneath all that. Does that make sense this morning? We need to pull back the curtain And see the real cause here. And we need to do that because we're living in a world that there's so much going on outwardly. All our time, energy, and focus is there. When we need to direct it now at the real problem, the enemy. And the Bible gives us how we can do that. And so let's make make sure that we understand that. So uh, we can't turn our anger, frustration, and attention to the physical, tangible things that we can see. We need to understand there's an enemy underneath it. And if we understand or forget there's an enemy underneath it, we're offering solutions that do not solve the problem. Do you realize if there's a spiritual root associated to it, natural things won't take care of it? 
And we're spending all our time in the natural things, which I get it. And it will give you relief for a moment, but it won't take care of the issue or the problem. And so that's what this series is all about. And I want to set it up again uh, today and launch into it in the upcoming weeks. And we're going to take a look in the book of Ephesians. And I ask you to turn to Ephesians 6 for me. And I apologize, this screen out over here, the bulb went out right before service. But let me say it right now, it wasn't the devil. <laughs> the devil, you know, he's not, he's not, if your car ran out of gas, the devil, the devil just, you know, you know he didn't do it. You didn't fill it up, right? It's like, there was a, a bulb. The bulb went out right before service started. It wasn't that it'll be the devil to say, if they can't get two bulbs and two screens up, I'm not coming back. Now that's the devil, right? I'm not coming. They need to get their act together. I'm not coming back to this place. No. So and for all of you that will pray for your neck that was straining and during during the tree TV to look all the way over here or for the words on the screen. So there's a real devil. And Paul knows that. So Paul's writing this book uh, of Ephesians. It's a letter to the church in Ephesus. And, and Paul's amazing. And anytime you could read things from Paul, in fact, two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. And I love it because Paul really was directing you and I to who we are in Christ. In fact, if you read the writings of Paul, and again, he wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote to teach us who we are in Christ. Who are you? What does that look like in your life? Who is he? And the book of Ephesians, really, most scholars will believe that is the best of them. In fact, if you will, most scholars would believe the book of Ephesians is like the icing on the cake or the cherry on top. And if I could ask you to do something before we gather again next week, read the whole book. There's only six chapters in it. I would make it part of your regular discipline. I would, I would spend a lot of time in Ephesians if I was you. There's other areas, but that really tells you who you are in Christ. And you need to read that. You need to know that. And he begins by telling you who you are as an adopted son and daughter in the family of God. He wants you to know that you're not rejected, but you're chosen by God. He wants you to know that you're completely forgiven. And he says in his chapter one, he says, and we're gonna, not gonna go there, but he says he's been praying for the eye of your heart to be open to the bigness, greatness, vastness, depth of God and what he has for your life. Then he gets to the end of the book of Ephesians, which is what we're going to study a little bit today. And so he sets us up, and then he comes to this moment that in Ephesians 6.10, in this passage, and we'll read it, actually 10 through 13. Let's go ahead, take a look at that real quick. Uh, finally, so he's wrapping up his book of Ephesians. He spent time talking to the church in Ephesus about who you are in Christ, encouraging the believers in the church. Finally, here's my last thoughts to you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So much in that one line. We'll get there next week. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and we are in evil days, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, and the next verse would start with stand. So, Here's Paul in this passage of scripture. And he's, he's now for the first, really for the first time in the New Testament, you actually see a direct, um, open discussion or teaching on spiritual warfare. It's the first time you really, you'll have little hints and tips of it and, and other little writings in the New Testament. But Paul all of a sudden now, as he's finishing up this book to the, the the Ephesian church, he's like saying, okay, now we got to talk about this. We have to know that we're in a spiritual battle. You have to know that your wrestling is not against flesh and blood or, or people or circumstances. There's something more at work here, and you need to know this. This passage, the Apostle Paul 
introduces us to the concept of spiritual warfare really for the first time in Scripture. He says, the enemy that you think you have, the one you can see, you think is the cause of your frustration, the spouse or your ex or your family, your family member, your neighbor, the coworker, your coach, your teacher, your boss, your pastor, and I threw that one in there, uh, the, struggle, the struggle over your mind, the struggle over your heart. Paul says, you need to realize that your real problem is not flesh and blood. It's not the things that you can see, because obviously that's where people were focusing on. It's an invisible enemy, if you will, and the enemy is banking on the fact that you'll forget that he's even there, and he wants to be behind the scenes so you focus on the tangible things, and so you forget he's the one underneath it all. And so here's the, here's the thing that we have to understand to live our life in victory. We need to know that there is a real spiritual realm that this is all coming from, and we need to know how to address it. And let me say this, I want to say it in a future uh, message in this series, that you need to understand the spiritual realm, not just so you can push back the enemy, but so you can appropriate your blessings. Right? Come on. Right? God's the spirit. He does things, blessings spiritually that you need to learn to walk in and receive them spiritually. So this isn't just a a warfare against the enemy, and that's our focus, obviously, but my hope is we're gonna get a greater understanding of the spiritual realm, if you will, not goofy, spooky, whatever, but in a way that not only can we can stand against the enemy and take back some ground instead of give ground, but we can walk in and appropriate the blessings that are in the heavenly realms that God has for his people. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at all that during this series, but we cannot forget that there's always something you can't see influencing what you see. And we say it all the time. I, I talk to people all the time or I'm dealing with circumstances and, and there's an outburst or some kind of experiential thing that's happening and the, the God reminds me that there's a root to that. And I, I tell my kids all the time, it's not, don't put a face or a name on that. I know that may have hurt. You may have been frustrated. Don't put a face or name on it. There's something else that's been operating. Maybe for years they don't even know or understand, but there's something else at work. It's not the face or the name of the people around about you. There's something else at work. And we know John 10, 10 says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he does. And he's been doing it a lot longer than you and I have been on the planet. And so we need to understand where this is really coming from. And if I spend all my time and energy dealing with the symptoms of the problem, just dealing with the outward circumstances that that are occurring in my marriage, my family, my finances, my struggles, I'll at best exhaust myself before I even begin to tap into the root where the real problem's coming from. And Paul says we need to look behind the curtain and let the enemy know, we know. (laughs) We need to let the enemy know we got eyes on you, right? We know where this is coming from. And we need to make sure that we understand that. And it's not your spouse who's the enemy. It's not your boss who's the enemy. There is a real enemy. It's not even your inner turmoil and your emotions. There's a real enemy who lives to stir up problem and division. He's working hard so you and I cannot live the life God intended. And so Paul wants you to know how strategic, now listen to me, the enemy is very strategic. There's not just random stuff happening in your life. Because Paul says in that passage of scripture that the enemy is scheming. Stand against the schemes of the enemy. That's an intentional word. That means he's preparing something just for you. He's planning something just for you, how you're wired, your personality, your weaknesses, your propensities, the things. He's addressing his assignment against you and what he knows how to get to you. Does that make sense? Because we just like blanket like, oh, the devil this and the devil that. Yeah, when there's truth to that. But yeah, guess what? He has an assignment against you attacking you where you're most vulnerable. 
And then when it talks about scheming, it puts it on a whole nother. We're not just dealing with some random enemy at times. We're dealing with someone who has studied you your entire life. Listen, it's one thing for someone to have done something wrong and, and someone just had all that happened. It happened to me. I just got wrong. I, I can get over that. That's, I get over it. I get it. I get, can get over it. It's a whole other thing to find out that someone has been planning to do me wrong, right? That's a whole nother deal, a whole nother story. Like the, the devil's been scheming against me. He's been sitting back and watching my tendencies and watching my patterns. He's been watching uh, how I come and when I come and where I go. He's been studying my weaknesses of my flesh. He's been looking into my personality and trying to figure out the best way to throw me off course and the best time to throw me off course. And then for us to find out that he's not only been studying us or been studying me for me to find out he's not just been studying me, but he's been studying my wife. You've been looking at the best way to cause trouble in our marriage? When I find out that he's been trying to create distance emotionally between the two of us? And when I find out that you've been studying my daughters, my 24, 23-year-old daughters, and trying to figure out how best to keep them from their destiny that God has for them? And when I find out you've been trying to figure out how to take advantage of their fears, anxieties, and deficiencies? And when I find out that you've been studying me and the people that I love, holy indignation rises up on me. Righteous anger rises up in me. You've been, wait, 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 you've been what? You've been planning something against my wife, against my daughters? You've been planning it against me and how to divide us and how to, for my daughters to miss the, the call that God has for them, for distance to come in my relationship. Wait, wait, you've been what? And through, because you know my tendencies and you know hers and you know the things that make us explode against each other, driving us away. Come on, somebody, that's how the enemy is operating. Whether you want to admit it or know it or not, there's a real enemy and he studies you, he's scheming. Paul's bringing that to light. Listen, church in Ephesus. Listen, Tree Life Church. The enemy's been scheming against you and your family. And I'm not just gonna stand back and let you run over my family. I'm not gonna stand back and let you run over my church family. I'm not gonna stand back and let you run over our kids, our schools. I'm not gonna let you stand back and run over our communities, our area. And I will be the one, and this church will be the one. This church will stand. Listen, this church will stand as gatekeepers. As gatekeepers for families for marriages, for kids, for schools, and for our communities in the area. But we need to know how to do that. First of all, we need to know that the enemy is real. But understand that the good news is he loses. If God's people will stand in their place of victory, when you stand, when you stand, not on our watch. So if it's a war the enemy wants, guess what, Tree of Life? It's a war he's gonna get. Come on, somebody. If he wants a war, he's gonna get a war. He's already lost. He's just hoping we don't recognize the real issue. He's hoping we don't go to war because he's already lost because Jesus has already won the victory. But we got to walk in what Jesus has appropriated for you and I. If he wants a spiritual war, then that's what he's going to get. Because not by strength, not by might, not by our power, but by God's spirit, the word says. Amen? And the victory's already been won, and we have the privilege to experience the benefit of it in our lives if we walk in it. And so all these things happening around us, it's not the people, it's not the things that we see, it, it's the enemy stirring up trouble. And if we, can, if we can turn our attention on each other instead of recognizing where it all comes from, then we miss, we miss where that's coming from. We exhaust energy and resource. But we need to recognize where it all comes from and go after the enemy. And Paul says, 
put down your natural, you know, Paul, he doesn't say it this way, but basically what Paul's saying, put down your natural weapons. Your natural weapons do not work on spiritual things. We're trying to fight a spiritual battle with natural weapons. And that's why we feel discouraged, and that's why we get even more hurt, more frustrated, because we don't understand the spiritual war that's happening and how to fight it. And it's not the people or the circumstances around us. There's an underneath issue here. We need to learn that. So we put down our natural weapons that we think may work or seem to work for a while, but don't address the real enemy. And he says, I'm gonna give you the weapons you need. I'm gonna give you the weapons that work. I'm gonna give you the weapons that God gave us. And we're gonna look at that. And people think in this passage of scripture or say, most will say there are six weapons and we'll read through that. But then we'll look at, and we'll look in a moment, verse 18, where it adds prayer. And I think prayer is the most powerful weapon of them all. I think everything happens. And you've heard me say this over and over again. Nothing happens without prayer. And so if nothing else out of this series, I hope more people will become people of prayer. I hope people won't just take Sunday morning as their spiritual encounter with God. We'll do it every day of the week. If we come with people of prayer, then we begin our equipping against the enemy. So let's take a look at that, Ephesians 6, 14 through 18. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here's where I get the seventh one here. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer. We need to be people of prayer. You need to learn how to pray. Understand something that prayer is the key that unlocks everything God has given us. Prayer doesn't manipulate God. It accesses what God has already provided for you and I. You have not because you ask not. So pray. Learn to pray. If you want victory in your marriage, learn to pray. If you want victory in your family, learn to pray. If you want victory at work, learn to pray. You want victory to restore relationships, learn to pray. Learn to pray. You want victory in your body, your mind, learn to pray. So learn to pray. Student, if you want victory at school this year, learn to pray. If you say you want to live victoriously, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this, I may have to apologize later, but if you say you want to live victoriously and abundantly and don't pray, then I don't believe you. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I apologize. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize for that one. <laughs> Why apologize for the truth, right? I know that's true in my own life. I'm not walking in the victory or the abundance I could if I'm not praying. I know when I am praying that I find myself walking more in that. And so it's the truth. And we're going to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. And today we're not just introducing the series. Uh, we'll be looking at, we are, but we'll, we're looking also at a, a piece of the armor, looking at spiritual warfare, looking at prayer. But let me say a few things about one of the pieces here in the time that I have left, just as way of introduction for the series. Um, it's the first one that we saw as we began reading in Ephesians 6, 14. So let's go back to that. And you'll hear the different pieces of the armor throughout the course of the series. You'll hear about prayer. You'll hear spiritual warfare. We're gonna let the Lord lead us as we go. And we'll extend the series as long as we need to extend the series until we feel like God gave us a release to move on because this is so important for you. This is so important for all of us to learn this myself included as I continue to grow in the things that God has for me. 
And let's start here in, in verse 14. We read it once already, but stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the belt of truth. Now, we probably won't take each armor in its succession, depending upon, I will miss a few Sundays on a, on a travel, but uh, as the, uh, the other pastors, will, as the Lord Holy Spirit leads them. But we're gonna start with this one, not just because it's the first one, but understand why Paul chose it first. I think it's the key to all the others, to be just quite honest with you. It, this is a picture that we're talking about of a Roman soldier. So if you can picture a Roman soldier, I, I probably should have got a picture. We'll do that maybe the upcoming weeks, but next week. But if you can picture a Roman soldier, and we've seen all the movies, we also Gladiator, right? No, we saw all these things. And, uh, and, and in that picture of a Roman soldier, they were everywhere during that day. They were occupying the land. So so common for uh, the people in the Church of Ephesus or around the Roman Empire, it was so common, obviously, for them to see a Roman soldier. So as Paul would begin to talk about the armor, they would easily have that picture in their mind and understand what to equate that to. And so you, you can imagine there being uh, this very vivid picture in their mind as he began to tell, uh, share this, this truth in the scripture. Uh, Paul was uh, using this visual, again, because he wanted to correlate um, pieces of armor with spiritual truth. Uh, for us to understand. And, and not only would the people in the church of Ephesus know what a Roman soldier would wear and what it would look like, they would also know, because back in the day, that when they became a certain age, they would all study. The, God's people would all study the Old Testament writings. They, they had to as kids in school. They, they would learn the Old Testament writings. They would learn what the prophets would say, and they'd see prophecy come to life. And they would learn the, the ancient writings. They would, they would learn the laws and and they just, they had to learn all that. And so as Paul's writing this picture of uh, spiritual warfare and relating it to pieces of armor on a Roman soldier, they would easily understand that. But because of their training, they would also understand that there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, and I believe it's in Isaiah 59, that, that it talks about some pieces of the armor. It talks about there, and, and in fact, in, in Isaiah, the, the, the picture is a divine warrior, in fact, there's rebellion uh, of the people of God, and God shows up to take care of the rebellion, and he shows up as a divine warrior, and the scripture said he has a breastplate of righteousness on, and he has a helmet of salvation on. And so using this picture as an analogy, they would understand by seeing a Roman soldier, but because of the teaching of the writings of old, they would also equate it to God showed up one day in divine, as a divine warrior, in armor, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. Now, in that day, he was taking care of rebellious people, and this day, he is giving his armor. Come on, he gave his armor. He gave his divine armor, the armor of God given to his people in the New Testament church. Think about that for a moment. It's the armor of God that has been given. God shows up in Isaiah 59 in divine armor, and then the picture is, as Paul's writing this, it's not hand-me-down armor. It's not second-class armor. It's not just what was laying around. It's not even Roman armor. It's God is equipping you with his divine armor and power to stand against the enemy. They would know that because they studied Isaiah and the ancient writings, and they would know that would come to life in them, not just seeing it as a Roman. It would go to another level. And wait a minute. This is a picture of the divine warrior of God, but not as he, come, not, he wasn't coming to punish his people. Now he's coming to protect his people. He's coming to punish the enemy, and he's giving his people his divine armor to do that. That's what we're talking about, the divine armor of God today. 
to push back the enemy, to stand in your place of victory. I love that. I love that picture. And the good news is it's been given to us so we know it works. <laughs> you get something from somebody that's like, I don't know if this is gonna work right or not. Yeah, guess what? You don't have to worry about that. When God gives it to you, it works as it was designed if you'll put it on. God's very own armor, and it was good enough for God in the Old Testament. It's good enough for you in the New Testament, amen? And Paul is writing and using this analogy and so they would all understand, and, but it was so much more. It's so much more than what we understand in Ephesians. It's, it's God as a divine warrior, his armor being given to you and I. And Paul says the very first thing we need to stand against the enemy is truth. Say truth. You know, there's really only one truth, and that's God. And let everything else be a lie, the Bible says. There's only one truth that will remain when let heaven and earth pass away, but there's only one truth that will remain, that's God's truth. It's not your truth or my truth, it's God's truth. I tell people this all the time when we're having a discussion, and I'm like, well, that's their side of the story, that's his side, that's her side, but then there's God's side, <laughs> right? There's three sides to every story, but God's side is the one is truth. It's truth. He gives us truth. You and I need truth. The very first thing that we need to stand against the enemy is truth. That's where it starts. And when you saw a Roman soldier back in that day, the first thing you might notice is if you see the picture, I should have got that, but a helmet with these big red feathers on it a lot of times, right? You see that. Or this huge breastplate, which is so important. I can't wait to get to that piece of armor. Or a big shield that would protect them, protect maybe two or three of them in a battle or against archers as arrows are flying. And those are the things that you would notice first. You wouldn't notice the belt first, but he chose to go to the belt first because it's so significant. It's central to everything else that you're equipped with. Truth is central to everything else that we walk in. It is the most significant piece of what you and I have. It's the truth. It's truth. Maybe, maybe we'd think of a large three to four foot broad sword, other parts of the soldier's armor, but yet Paul was thinking about correlating the belt with something, he did not choose what was most impressive. He did not choose what was most obvious or noticeable, but he did choose the piece that the soldier would put on first. The first thing the soldier would do would be girded with his belt, put his belt on. The belt was a central piece. It was a piece most all the other pieces connected to. And without the belt, nothing else would be in place for very long. And Paul says, if you want any chance of standing firm against the schemes of the enemy, you must first make a choice, a decision, to be a man or woman committed to the truth of God's word. The first thing we have to do is be a man and woman committed to the truth of God's word. That is the beginning point. That is the most significant point. And I'm so, I'm so glad that you're here in church today. But just because you're in church today does not mean you're guarded in truth. <laughs> just because you come to church every week and week after week and serve does not mean you're girded in truth. Because we still wrestle with compromise and we still wrestle with outside influence and now we're, we're trying to filter things through humanity and through culture and through politics but if it doesn't line up with the word of God it's not truth and you can go to church your whole life and still not be girded in truth and how do we know that well how you live your life so we pledge our allegiance to the truth of God's word we pledge our allegiance to the truth of God's word you may not always be popular, you may not always be politically correct, you may not always be the favorite person of somebody, but that's okay. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and God will take care of you. You may, you may be the wet blanket, you may be the one no one wants to invite to the party, 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on. Because <laughs> we need to be people of truth. That's where our victory is, amen? It's a choice you make for yourself. When culture changes, when philosophies change with new ideas and they rise to the forefront of everyone's mind, when they're legislating new ways of thinking and new ways of living, we must be a group of people who don't just celebrate the word on Sunday. And there are new ideas and things being legislated and new things coming to the forefront of people's minds today. And it's not enough just to experience truth in here. So we need to be men and women of truth, especially in our world today. We have to decide when we walk out of, the, of these doors today, even if we stand alone, we pledge our allegiance to the truth of God's word. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. And I will stand firmly in the promises of his word because I'll be dressed up in the belt of truth. Amen? And if culture and politics are giving a different direction than the, than the word of God is, I go with the word of God. Let me say it this way. This, here's my political statement for the morning. God does not ride the backs of donkeys and elephants. He doesn't. He doesn't. God, God did not come to take sides. He came to take over. And his truth is the truth. The reason why the issue of truth is so important is because it's the enemy's main approach against you and I. And it's deception. Truth is the only thing to combat deception. And he is the father of lies, which means everything he says is deception. And what makes deception so scary is the person being deceived doesn't know it. That's the definition of deception, basically. You're deceived and you don't know it because you believe what you believe to be true. And deception blinds you. And we don't typically know it in the moment, but we can all look back to our past and see it there. I may not, not know in the moment of what I'm walking in, even though well-meaning and loving people are trying to tell me different because I can't see it for myself, but I can look back and see my past after the fact, unfortunately, and say, oh yeah, I was deceived. And how many times have we said that? I was just deceived. It's the enemy's main approach. The only thing to combat deception is the truth. Where would we be without God's grace and mercy? And since we can't tell we're being deceived, we need to have a standard outside of ourselves. Since we can't tell, we need a standard outside of ourselves to look to to determine whether or not we're being taken for a ride or taken advantage of. We need a standard outside of ourselves because we can't always discern that. We need an objective standard that when we take, that takes, we take it with us, I guess is the way to say it. We take it with us that's outside of ourselves that we can go back and look at and we can read, and we can know the truth. Because we can't trust our emotions, we can't trust our feelings, we can't trust our circumstances because the enemy's working to try and turn those or make those happen in a way that would bring us to a wrong decision, but we can take something outside of ourselves, which is the truth of God's word, as our filter, and we can look through that to determine what is truth and what is not truth. It's amazing to me when I talk to people at times, we have this discussion how many times I look back and say, well, what does the Bible say about that? Sometimes, depending on the moment, I'll say, well, show me that in the Word. Because it is the standard by which, because we can't trust ourselves even at times. 
right? Our feelings, emotions, which is so easily moved and swayed by things around about us and the enemy's trying to deceive us. And the enemy, he's really good at deception. <laughs> you can't negotiate with him. You can't go toe-to-toe with him if you're not dressed up in the armor of God. I'll tell you that right now. You need the truth of God's word to reveal what is him and what is the word of God. So we need to take the truth with us everywhere we go, something, an outward standard that we can look at that will point us in the right direction. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. See, the enemy hopes you will trust how you feel. And he wants us to trust what our eyes can see, what our minds perceive, and what our ears can hear. He doesn't want a people who have a, a standard of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And we want to make sure that you have the truth. That's the whole point of the series. That's the whole point of our existence. We want to, every time we gather, whether it's a particular series or not, we want you to hear the truth of God's word. We want our kids to hear the truth of God's word. We want our teens to hear the truth of God's word. We want to make sure that you have the truth. But listen, father, mother, your home needs the truth spoken and taught every day. Come on, somebody. Every day, truth needs to be taught and spoken in your homes. If you want your kids to follow the truth, number one, you need to follow the truth and set the standard for them. You know what you need to do? I remember my girls were little and we'd, we'd get them dressed for school. You need to get your kids all dressed up for their day, spiritually speaking. You need to lay out the belt of truth for them. Come on, somebody. You need to lay out the helmet of salvation for them. You need to lay out the shoes shod with the gospel of peace. You need to do that in your home, not just on Sundays. And let me tell you this, it doesn't work just once every three Sundays. And it doesn't even just work on Sundays. That's why you need to get in a small group. That's why you need to get in a class somewhere. Because we need to be around the truth as much as we can. But listen, we can't just be around it. We need to be in it. And we need to be speaking it. Your homes should be a place where the truth of God's word. Everybody should get their belt on every day. Before your kids go to school, give them some truth. When they come home from school, give them some truth to help combat the lies of the day. Before they go to bed, read some truth over them. That's what we need to do. Feed your family the truth while you feed them tacos. Dinner. Paul says, you decide that this book is the compass for your life. Wrap it around you and stand firm in it. Everyone, stand firm in it, even if you stand alone. Mom, dad, single mom, single dad, grandma, grandpa, high school kid, middle school kid, elementary kid, stand firm. Wrap yourself in the truth. Church, let's stand firm. Let's wrap ourselves in the truth of God's word. And let's take it outside these walls into our world every day. Because you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you wanna find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.